KMTT, Kimitzion Tetzei Torah. KMTT, the Torah podcast. Today is Tuesday. Shur in Parshat HaShavua. Shur Parshat HaShavua will be given by Harav Chanoch Waxman. This week, Parshat Nitzavim, I would like to discuss fundamentally one Pasuk. A Pasuk whose meaning uh, is a bit mysterious. One might even say, on some level, one's, its meaning is a bit hidden. I have in mind, Dvarim Perk Kavtet, Pasuk Kavchet, which says as follows, Hanistarot Lashem Elokeinu, the concealed things, the hidden things are to God, Vaniglot Lanu Lavanenu Adolam, and the revealed things are for us and for our children forever, Lasot et kol Divrei Torah Hazot, to do the words of this Torah, to do the matters of this Torah. Well, the way I read the Pasuk a moment ago is, of course, the translation, the Nistarot, the hidden things, the Niglot, the revealed things, Lasot is called Devei Torah Hazot, to do this Torah. Uh, as I mentioned a moment ago, the meaning, uh, the real meaning of this Pasuk uh, remains rather mysterious and hidden from us. Hanistarot, what are exactly these hidden things that the Torah is referring to in this Pasuk? By Niglot. Uh, in contrast, what exactly are these revealed things that the Torah is referring to? Lasot et kol divrei Torah zot, to do the words of this Torah. Of course, a standard imperative, a standard command. But the question arises here, in addition to what is the proper perush, the proper explanation of nistarot, in addition to what is the proper perush of niglot, what exactly is the contextual meaning, uh, the particular meaning in context of lasot et kol divrei Torah zot, to do uh, this Torah? And this is one question I would like to discuss in this shiur, uh, the question of perush, of how to explain, how to interpret per kavtat pasuk kavchat, the pasuk of nistarot. And this is one crucial issue regarding this uh, pasuk. However, uh, there's another uh, crucial issue. And to understand this, or to phrase the question, we need to go back to the beginning of Parshat Nitzavim and take a look at um, a few psukim there. Um, so the beginning of Parashat Nitzavim, Parak Kaf Chet Pasuk, Tet, opens as follows. Moshe says to Am Yisrael, Atem Nitzavim Hayom Kulchem, you stand, all of you, Lefnei Hashem Elkechem, in front of the Lord your God, Rashechem, the heads of your tribes, Rashechem, Shiftechem, Ziknechem, Vishotechem, Kol Ish Yisrael. Um, the heads of your tribes, your elders, your officers, every man of Israel, tapchem, your children, shechem, your women, and the strangers, the converts that are amidst your camp, the hewers of wood and the drawers of water. In short, everybody, from the apex of the social pyramid until the very base, uh, from the leaders until the simple member of society, including even the converts. And what is the purpose of this gathering um, that Moshe convenes at the beginning of Parshat Nitzavim? This we find in Parak Kavtet, Pasuk Yud Aleph. Why? Why are you all here? La'avrecha bivrit Hashem elokecha to cause you to pass into the Brit, into the covenant of the Lord your God, Uva Alato, and in his oath or curse, Asher Hashem elokecha karet umcha hayom, which... God uh, contracts with you this day. In other words, these three psukim at the beginning of Parashat Nitzavim are a kind of statement of the fact that everybody has gathered together for the purposes of covenant creation or contracting a covenant. And these psukim are part of the 
uh, covenant contracting preparation. In point of fact, the entire parak or the entire first segment of Parshat Nitavim from Pasuk Tet and on is a story of the preparation for covenant contraction. There's going to be a covenant contracted at Arvot Moav, a Brit in Allah. It's really, to some extent, the topic of uh, the latter part of Sefer Zerim, at least this part of the latter part of Sefer Zerim. And Moshe here in this parak is preparing the people for the contraction, contracting of this covenant. Um, and that is the purpose of his speech here. So then the question arises when we come to the end of this parasha in the Torah, which is Perak Kavtet Pasek Kavchet, the end of the first segment of Parshat Nitzavim, we come back to our mysterious Pasuk in Perak Kavtet Pasuk Kavchet. Hanistarot Lashem Elokeinu, the hidden things are to God, Vaniglot Lanu Levanenu Adulam, and the revealed things are to us and to our children forever. And the question is, how is this Pasuk part of the larger Parsha? How is this Pasuk connected up to the purposes of covenant preparation, to the general idea of the Brit, which is really the topic of the beginning of Parsha and Itzavim? So the question is not just the particular meaning of the words and of the verse, but of its integration into the larger surrounding material. And it is these two questions one, the question of meaning, and two, the question of integration that I would like to discuss uh, in the Shi'ur um, today. Now, what I'd like to do is to share with you two interpretations, uh, two approaches. One, which may be thought of as implicit within Rashi, really the interpretation of Rashi, and the other, a different reading, one which I think emerges from the comments of Abarbanel, and perhaps Nativ. I would like to begin with Rashi, and then later on move on to Abarbanel um, and Nativ. Uh, now, in order to understand Rashi's comment here, we require uh, a bit of background. And what I would like to do is to go back to the middle of the parak, to Perak Kavtet, Pasuk Yud Zayin, and take a look at a few crucial psukim there, which perhaps give us a hint into what the idea of nistarot, the first problematic term in our pasuk, uh, is all about. Um, if we take a look in Parak Kavtet Pasuk Zion, the Torah says as follows. Moshe says to B'nai Israel, after gathering them all together, informing them that they were there for the purposes of contracting a covenant, engaging in a bit of history lesson about having been in Mitzrayim, seeing their repulsive behaviors and seeing their worship of Eitz, Va'aven, Keset, V'Zahav. The fact that they worshipped stone and wood, they worshipped gold and silver. And in Parak Kavtet, Pasuk Zion, Moshe says the following to the entire assembly of Israel. Pen yesh bachem ish o isha. Blessed, perhaps, uh, there is a man or a woman amongst you, o mishpacha, or a family, o shevet, or even a tribe. Asher levavo, whose heart turns away from God, Hashem uh, Elokeinu, our Lord, this day. Uh, that wishes, desires to go serve the, the gods of these nations. Lest there be a mitzvah, a notoriously difficult phrase, which means something like, lest there be a mitzvah, a, a rotten root, which sprouts forth poisonous weed and wormwood. So a rather bad person who has these horrible thoughts in his heart to turn away from God and to go serve foreign gods. Um, 
And when he hears these words of admonition, the words of the curse, the words of the Brit, the klalot that are included in the ceremony to be conducted at Har Grizim and Har Eval back in chapter 27 of Sefer and someone who hears all these horrible curses, they will say, they will bless themselves again in their heart. Lemar, Shalom Yeli, there will be peace unto me. Despite the fact that I will go through the stubbornness of my heart. Again, the idea of Lev. The person, I, he blesses himself in his heart. I will be stubborn in my heart and go in my path and I worship by the Zara, but it doesn't matter. And you're a very strange phrase. Laman Safot almost untranslatable, probably means something like in order that both the moist and the dry will be destroyed. The idea being is that this person says they're going to worship Avodah Zarah. Um, and what's interesting here is that in these tupsukim, the term lev, or the thought of the heart, appears three times. First, levavo pone, the person's heart is turned away from God to go worship Avodah Zarah. Second, vitbarech bilvavo, the person blesses themselves internally in their heart. And third, says, kibishirutli be in the stubbornness of my heart. So there's this idea of the thought of the heart. Of course, a concealed thought, uh, because every thought in, one, thought in one's heart is concealed from others. There's the thought of the heart, the concealed thought inside to go worship Avodah Zarah. And there's this idea of concealment that crops up here. Now, um, in fact, uh, the idea of a connection between concealment, Avodah Zarah, and sin is to some extent uh, a prominent theme here in the latter part of Sefer Dvarim. Um, if we just jump back to Prokem, to Parakaf Zion, um, to Moshe's description of the Tchanim, the contents of the brick that's going to be contracted both at Avrot Moab and later again repeated at Har Grizim and Har Yival when the people come into the land. Of course, the idea is that there's a whole list of horrible things and one receives a klala uh, for this list of horrible things. And Parakaf Zion, Pasuk, uh, Yud, tells us as follows. Cursed is the man who makes a, an image or an idol. This is disgusting to God. And hides it. So there's this hidden sin of Avodah Zarah that can be performed. Or later on in Pasuk Kavdalad, um, cursed is the person who hits his friend secretly or damages his friend in a secret fashion. In fact, uh, these two uh, prohibitions, in secret um, or smiting one's friend in secret, that a person is cursed for are part of a larger list. And Ibn Ezra goes so far as to say that, in fact, the entire list, uh, ranging from Perkavzayin, Pasuk Tedzayin, through Kavav, are all things that one can do secretly, and there's this general problematic of secret sin. Now, but undoubtedly the case, when we come back to Perkavtet, there is this idea of the secret thought that begins in one's heart that culminates in Avodah Now, if we follow through the Pesukim, something rather uh, striking uh, emerges. We pick it up now in Perkavtet, Pasuk Yutet, back in our Parsha. What the Torah says is, Lo ya'oveh Hashem soloach lo. Uh, God will not forgive this person who has this thought in his heart and goes and worships Avodah Zarah. What happens? Ki az yashan af Hashem ishahu. God's smoke, his jealousy will smoke and fire burn uh, against this man. And what will happen? Ha'ishahu, this man who had this thought. What will happen to him? Ravtza bo kola ala k'tuvah basefer hazeh. 
and all of the curse or the oath that is written in this book will come down upon him. Umacha Hashem et Shmo Hashemayim, and his name will be wiped out. So the individual who sins in this fashion, in this secret way, will be eliminated. But the pasuk goes on. Pasuk Kaf. And it will be divided off from all of the tribes of Israel, um, his tribe. So it is not just that he as an individual will be punished, but also apparently his tribe will be punished. And as we go through the Pesukim here, something rather striking emerges that, in fact, the punishment has an even wider scope. If we take a look in Pasuk Kaf Aleph, the Torah says as follows, or Moshe says as follows, and the later generations, um, those children who will arise after you, and the non-Jew who comes from a foreign land, they see the plagues that have been visited upon that land, and the sickness of that land. Um, so it's not just the individual or the tribe that seems to be punished, for the secret sins, the thought of the heart of the one who eventually was Oved Avodah but even the tribe and the land. And the Torah goes on with even more uh, extreme comparisons and metaphors in Pasuk Kafbet, Gafrit Vamelach, sulfur and salt, Shreifa, Kolartza, a burnt wasteland, Lo Tizarav, Lo Tatzmich, one which cannot be planted nor will sprout, Lo Yabek Kol Esev, no grass can grow in it, Kama Apechat, Stom Va'amorah, I'm skipping a few words now. It will be like the destruction of stone va'amora, the overturning of stone va'amora, that it will be in an unplantable, unsowable, and infertile land, completely destroyed, which will result from this process. Um, so there's a sense here that somehow the internal thought of the heart, um, the secret sin of the individual, spreads and winds up being responsible for destruction being wrought upon him, his tribe, and the entire land. Uh, this is rather striking. This sets the stage for Rashi's comment about our verse of Hanistarot. And um, let us take a look inside in Rashi. And what Rashi is building upon, as we will see in a moment, is a problem here. How is it really possible that the entire Shevet, or the entire land, the entire nation, will be punished for the sins of one individual who has sinned in a secret way. Rashi says as follows in Pesach Kavchet, Hanistarot Lashem Elokeinu. V'im tamru, ma biyadeinu lasot. And if you'll ask, what was it possibly in our hands to do? Atam manishet arabim al hirhurei hayachid. You, God, uh, punish the community because of the hirhurei, the private thoughts of an individual. Shne'emar, Pesach Yudzayin pen yesh bachem ish, one of the verses we read, it begins with the private thoughts of the individual. And afterwards, Pasuk Kaf Aleph, they will see the, the destruction and the smiting of the entire land. And here is the question that Am Yisrael might justifiably ask uh, against God, or we, the readers of the Chumash, should ask as readers of the Chumash. But one individual cannot know the innards of his friend. Here is now the answer. And here is the reading that Rashi presents for the Pasuk of Anistarot. God responds, I am not punishing you for the Nistarot, for the hidden sins. Because they are, so to speak, sins that God will extract punishment for. And he will extract payment from that particular individual. 
Aval, but haniglot, the revealed sins, the sins of the individual or the community done publicly, lanu ulevanenu, they are to us and to our children, levaer harami akirbenu, to eradicate the evil in our midst. And if we will not do justice upon these sins, then the entire community will be punished. How is Rashi reading the verse? So let us go back to the Pasuk and read it inside the way Rashi read it. Do not make the mistake um, that the community is punished for the private sins of individuals. Rather, it is God who will extract punishment from the private individual for his private sins that the community cannot possibly know about. But... But when those sins become public, if avodazara and the like are performed publicly by the community or by individuals, those fall upon us to enforce. To enforce those sins committed publicly or communally, or to enforce punishment for those sins committed uh, publicly or communally. And that is the idea of the Pasuk here. Rashi tells us that the Pasuk is fundamentally a corrective to everything that came before in the Parsha. To some extent, one might get the sense that the community, uh, the nation, and the land are punished for the private sins of the individual. This Pasuk says, not at all. God will extract his own punishment from the individual for the private sins. But at the same time, no well and no good that the community is responsible to enforce justice, to enforce standards. When there are public acts of sin, those are niglot, and it's to us and to our children to enforce them, to enforce mishpat, to enforce justice, to have a properly functioning society that keeps mitzvot and does not commit sins such as avodah and the like. So Rashi's reading is about the idea of corrective to a misimpression, and also the idea of the centrality and importance of a proper functioning system of justice in a society. And this is Rashi's interpretation of the Pasuk. Now, um, how does it integrate into the uh, larger Parsha? Well, uh, I think if we think about it, um, it integrates in quite well. And to understand this, we need to go back to uh, the beginning of Perak Kavtet. Um, Perak Kavtet Pasuk Yud Aleph recounts again the purpose of the gathering um, of the community that Moshe initiates here at the beginning of Parshat Nitzavim. And we're told there in Parak Kaftet Pasuk Yud Aleph, Hashem Elokecha to enter into the covenant of God and to His oath, Asher Hashem Elokecha that God contracts you this day. So the purpose is covenant contraction. But, as we go to the next Pasuk, there's another purpose. This day you will be established to God as a people. So, in entering into the covenant, the people not just enter into a covenant with God, but they also become a nation. They become a kind of corporate entity. They become a kind of group. And um, when you have a group, you have a corporate entity, you have an am, not just a simple aggregate of individuals. There's this idea of mutual responsibility. Um, what is known in the Sfat Halakha, in the language of Halakha, as arevut, mutual independence and mutual legal responsibility. What Rashi tells us um, in his reading of the last verse, the last pasuk of the parsha, Hanistarot Lashem Elokeinu, is that that pasuk is about setting the parameters of arevut, the parameters of mutual responsibility, and the parameters of justice that must be enforced by society. 
Um, when you have an Am, well, who's responsible for what? And how much are people responsible for each other? When you have an Am, you have a society engaged in a covenant with God. Well, is there a responsibility to enforce the laws of that covenant? And what Pasuk Kavchet does for us is it sets up the parameters. The Nistarot, the hidden private sins, those are not the responsibility of the community. But the Niglot, the public sins, or the public character of society, those are the responsibility of the society. They're part of the Arivut, the communal identity and the mutual responsibility, and those must be enforced, and that's what Pasuk Kavchet is about, according to Rashi. And this is Rashi's interpretation of the verse and its integration into the parak. Okay. As I mentioned earlier, I want to share with you another approach, one which I think is very interesting and quite different from that of Rashi uh, to the Pasuk and to its integration into the larger uh, Parsha. And I think this is an idea that emerges from the interpretation of Abarbanel um, and Nitziv as well. In one word, uh, Abarbanel and Nitziv build up an interpretation uh, which picks up on the idea of dialogue. Uh, in Abarbanel's way of reading Perik Kaftet, there is a very interesting dialogue that takes place in Perik Kaftet. And to understand this, let us pick it up in Perik Kaftet, Pasuk Kaf Aleph, where uh, Moshe, um, in a segment of his speech to people which predicts future history, a kind of predictive speech, says as follows in Perik Kaft Aleph. Va'amar hador ha'acharon. And the future generation, the later generation, b'neichem asher yakumu me'acharechem. The children that will arise after you. Va'hanachri. And the non-Jewish nation, asher yavo me'eretz rechoka. That will come from a, a far and distant land. This is very interesting because the Torah rarely describes or depicts the nachri that will come from a distant land uh, or the future generation. Um, well, that's more common. But the Nakhri is certainly uncommon. And what will happen? Pasuk kaf, uh, going on in Pasuk Kaf Aleph. They will see the plagues that have been visited upon the land and its sickness. And then afterwards, uh, the comparison of Gafrit Vemelach, the comparison to Stone Vamorah that God had destroyed. The utter and horrible destruction. And then what will happen? Pasuk Kaf Gimel. Suddenly, the Nachri, the nation, the foreigner, speaks. Va'amru kol ha'goyim. And all of these nations will say, There isn't just one, there are many. Why did God do this to this land? Why all the anger? What was the purpose? The destruction is horrible, like stone v'amura. It's unintelligible. It can't be understood. And the observer the foreign nation who witnesses this destruction asks why, what happened, why all the anger. Pasuk Kafdalid. Va'amru. They will say. Here Abarbanel claims, and I think correctly, that the Va'amru of Pasuk Kafdalid is different than the Va'amru of Pasuk Kafkimul. While Va'amru of Pasuk Kafkimul is Va'amru Kologayim, it's the foreign observer, the witnesser, the questioner. The Amru of Pasuk Kafdalid, it says as follows. And they will say, because they um, abandoned the covenant with God, the God of their forefathers, the Amru here is the speech 
of the Dora Acharon. It is the later generation that speaks and responds to the inquisitive witnessing foreigner. There is a dialogue here, according to Abarbanel, between the guy who asks why, why all the anger, and the future generation of Israel that gives the answer. And what's the answer? Well, because our forefathers abandoned the covenant. And they go on. The future generation speaks more. Pasuk Kafe. They went and they worshipped other gods. They bowed down to them. That were not theirs. And God became angry with the land. To bring all of the curse that was written in this book. So God exiled them. So we have here, in response to the witnessing and the questioning of the foreign nation, we have the other side of the dialogue, which is the testimony and the explanation given by the future generation of Am Yisrael. It's because of the sins of the forefathers, because of the worshipping of Avodah Zarah, and the abrogation of the covenant. In this dialogue, Barbara now tells us that you have a, a picture of a future generation that understands what has happened here, that understands the cause of what has happened here. It is the sins of the forefathers in abrogating the covenant that has brought about the horrible destruction. And I think they do not just understand, but on some level, if they speak of their forefathers, they also take responsibility for what has happened to their land. After having gone into exile, they now arrive back with the other nations and they stand and discuss the status of the land. And the future generation of Israel says, this happened to our forefathers, to us, because of this. So they have physically returned and they're standing and talking about the land, so to speak, metaphorically. But also on some level, if they take responsibility, and maybe there's a twinge of regret as well, they regret as well. And these, of course, are some of the aspects, not just of physical return, but of spiritual return, what we talk about as, as tshuva, the idea of responsibility, the idea of taking regret. Now we move on in the psukim reading, as Avarbanel does, and we come to uh, our verse again, Hanistarot. Avarbanel makes the striking and fascinating claim that the Hanistarot is the continued speech of the Dara Acharon, of the future generation, of the next generation, and she read as follows. Hanistarot Lashem Elokeinu. In addition to the open and obvious causes of this horrible destruction which has been brought upon the land, the abrogation of the covenant, and Avodah Zarah, which is the chait mentioned throughout the parsha, there are other hidden reasons as to why God did what he did. The Nisterot is not hidden sins, but the Nisterot are more hidden motivations or hidden reasons of God or perhaps hidden sins that God noticed. Um, so God is not just just in his decree that he performed upon the land, but God is wise and the next generation recognizes God's justice and God's wisdom. Vaniglot lanu levanenu adolam. But the revealed reasons, uh, the sins of Avodah Zarah, the sins of uh, covenant abrogation, they devolve upon us, and Abar Benel reads, Lasot et kol Torah azot, to keep the Torah in the future, not to commit those sins again, um, to commit and deal with the obvious causes and problems that we know about, and According to Abba Benel, Haniglot Lanu Lovenenu Adolam Lasotet Kodavri HaTorazot is a commitment to the future by the next generation. So if we resume talking about the language of tshuva, the language of repentance or the concept of tshuva, 
uh, we here not only have the taking of responsibility, we have here not only the humble attitude of the future generation, we have here not only the acceptance of God's justice and the acceptance of God's wisdom, but we also have, in addition to the twinge or the hint of regret on the past, we also have Kabbalah la'atid, commitment to the future, which is implicit in the idea of the future generation saying to the other nations as part of the dialogue, adolam, that it devolves upon us to recommit and to commit and to keep the Torah as it should and to keep the covenant in the future. And this is uh, Abarbanel's reading. Um, to put it all together, what Abarbanel effectively tells us is that this pasuk is about giving us a picture of a future generation. A future generation that is wise, that is humble, that is penitent, that accepts responsibility for covenant abrogation in the past, and that commits to keeping the Brit in the future. And that is the interpretation of Anistarot that our Barbanel provides for us. And this is different than Rashi, and certainly very, very interesting. Now, to wrap this all together, we need to just tie together um, a couple of loose ends. In Abarbanel's reading, the end of the parsha, the pasuk of Anistarot, is about the picture of the wise and penitent generation. Well, how does that fit in, that recommits to the covenant? Well, how does that fit in to Moshe's speech? Um, how does that fit into covenant preparation for Am Yisrael all the way back when at Arvot Moav? Um, it's very nice for Moshe to give us this picture of the future. But how is that relevant? How is that crucial uh, to the covenant preparation of Am Yisrael at Avot Moav if we adopt uh, Abarbanel's reading for the moment? Well, I think uh, by tracking through uh, the parak or the parsha one last time, we can put uh, these couple of pieces together. Let's go back and pick it up in parak Kaftet, Pasuk Yud Gimel. Uh, where as part of his speech, as part of the preparation, Moshe says as follows, in Pasuk Yudhimu, And it's not with you alone that I contract this covenant, and this oath. This is, so to speak, Moshe speaking for God. Those who are with us today, here in Avot Moav, I contract in front of the Lord our God, that's who contracts the covenant. And also, at the end of the Pasuk Yudal, and also those who are not with us today. The covenant is contracted today, but it's also contracted for future generations. The covenant is a kind of transgenerational experience. Those who stood at our vote Moab and contracted the covenant and those who are yet in the future. Um, and this is, of course, a general theme uh, in the Chumash and certainly in this part of Sefer Dorim, that the making of the Brit something which includes all generations, as I phrased it a moment ago, a kind of transgenerational entity or experience. Um, but one might ask, well, what is really the point of a covenant that's going to last through the Dorot if, as we know, in the near future, as Moshe will shortly predict, the people will worship Avodah Zarah, uh, the covenant will be abrogated, God will destroy them, destroy the land, turn it into something resembling stone, Ba'amorah, Gafrit, Vamelach, what is really the point of the covenant or of the covenant as a, as a transgenerational experience that includes future generations? After all, it's all going to fall apart. Well, here we can say that the picture of the wise and penitent generation that comes after the destruction 
Um, the picture of the wise and penitent generation that engages in a dialogue with the nations of the world, this comes to balance things out. This comes to explain uh, what it means that the covenant is forever. This comes to explain to us what it means that the covenant is fundamentally transgenerational because although there will be downs, uh, there will be falls, there will also be ups, there will be rises, there will be a future generation that will be able to understand the covenant, what it's all about, that will reaffirm, that will recommit, that will do tshuva. So on some level, one might say that there's a kind of story of history, and this is a general idea of the covenant extending over time, and where things kind of come back around, and the wheel turns, and the circle is completed, and eventually Am Yisrael will do tshuva, which is eventually here, the end of uh, Perak Kavtet, the beginning of Parashat Nitzavim, according to the interpretation of Abarbanel. Okay.